Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Shooting the Sports Podcast with Ebony and Ivory. My name's Jonathan. I'm the Ebony. And my name's Nick, and I'm the Ivory. Welcome into episode five. Today, going to have a fun one for you. We're going to go over some NBA playoffs, give you a little update on the series and how some teams are doing, um, things that have impressed us, things that we're not too happy about, maybe a little concerned about. Um, and then we have a fun one that I know, uh, John, I know you're going to be excited about this one. Uh, oh, cannot wait. <laughs> our NFL rookie fantasy top 10. Um, this is strictly going to be for fantasy football purposes. Um, we're going to give you our top 10, one through 10, who's going to be the best, most impactful fantasy player for the NFL rookies this year. Um, that one's going to be a fun one. We'll get to that later in the show, but let's get it kicked right off here with the NBA playoffs. We'll start over in the East. Heat versus Sixers. Heat got a 2-0 lead. John, what have you seen in that one so far? Um, I mean, it's. I don't think it's about what I've seen. I think it's about what I haven't seen. And what I haven't seen is Joel Embiid. Um, he's hurt, obviously has that going on. But what I've noticed is just the way the Heat are playing defense. Um, arguably the best defensive team in the league in the playoffs right now. Um, Tyler Hero is playing his butt off. Um, yeah, I, I think it's more about not what I have seen, and it's about what I'm not seeing. And uh, Stixers truly aren't you know, competitive without Joel and me. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and you mentioned Tyler Hero, 21-5-4 so far in the first two games, um, or his averages. It. And I believe, an, correct me if I'm wrong, is he coming off the bench? He is coming <laughs> off the bench, absolutely, yes. He is coming off the bench. Um, he's having a great – and Bam Adebayo also having a great series, um, really giving Jimmy Butler a lot of help, uh, which is one thing that a lot of teams aren't getting from their you know with their stars is help around them. Um, that's – reason why a few teams are, are struggling like they are right now. But yeah, and Jimmy Butler too, playing absolutely outstanding right now. Um, just playing better all around basketball, shooting the ball better, shot 48% from the field in the regular season. That's up to 51% in the playoffs. Um, and then this the number the Jimmy that I'm Butler that I think the heat were hoping to sign when they signed the Jimmy Butler, we've all been waiting absolutely. for to kind of come out. Absolutely. And the thing that I'm most impressed about with him is in the regular season, he shot 23% from three point, uh, from three point range. And that is up to 39% in the playoffs right now. Um, just having an outstanding, outstanding playoffs, um, great series, but yeah, the Sixers, they're struggling without Embiid. They don't have anybody really to pick up the slack. Um, they're only shooting 22% from three in their first couple games of the series. Just very, very bad. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, though, I am impressed with him. He's averaging 26 in the first couple games, had 34 last night. I mean, the kid's just, he's a star in the making. And, you know, I wish Embiid was there to play with him. And I I think we would see a lot different series um, with Maxey not taking so much of the load, scoring load himself. I I will say, I think at this point, the series would be tied if they had him. Um, I agree. I think Don't they would think have Ben Simmons makes a difference regardless. Um, that's a whole nother episode we can get into about Ben Simmons. Well, and that's a um, whole nother team too as well because he plays for the Nets. No, 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 no. I know. I mean, as far as like the impact of people, n- never mind. Move on. Move on. Move on. <laughs> well, the one thing, the other on. thing too that they're that that's really hurting them is they've only gotten forty points from their bench players in the first two games. That's that's not very good. Um, even if you play. 
three, four, five guys off the bench, only 40 points in two games from all of them. That's, that's pretty bad. Um, but I think the one thing too, that really sticks out and it's the one guy that you would think we would mention and would be one of the first people we talk about, but we haven't even talked about him at all. And there's a reason for it, but James Harden, I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. Like he, he's playing like shit. I mean, I mean, I go back to what I said a couple episodes ago. If James Harden could be the James Harden of old, the 76ers would be a dangerous team. Absolutely. And Even I, if I he was the about, James Harden from the regular season. And I just think he has not accepted his role. And I and correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe we talked about it. If he accepted his role as a passer, I understand that's not what they paid him to do. I understand that's not why they brought him over. But he started averaging those double-doubles. He was getting those assists, but he's trying to force himself back to the old James Harden. And, I mean, it's it's not working. I mean, one one for five for the line uh, from three-point line, six for 15. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. No, and, and I, I will give him credit, though. He, he is still passing the ball pretty well. Um, he is still averaging nine assists in the playoffs. He averaged 10 in the regular season. So those numbers are still pretty comparable. Um but you go from averaging 22, 10, and almost eight rebounds to 19, 9, and 5, and the best player on your team isn't even playing, those numbers for his, for the playoffs should be a lot higher than what they are. Um, James Harden was the guy you thought would take over once Embiid went down, not Maxley. No, no. Maxley definitely was the probably the second option after Embiid went down. Um, yeah, Harden... Harden should be scoring 30, 35 points a night with him beat out. And there's no excuse for him not to. Um, but honestly, that series, I still have the heat in five. I think the Sixers will take a game, whether Embiid comes back from one of them or not. I think they'll still take a game because it's, it's hard to sweep a team in the playoffs, no, especially the way everybody I, plays. But heat in I five, and I really win. don't think there's too much else to it. Nope, I agree with you. Uh, let's move on, though, to the Celtics and the Bucks Series tied 1-1. This is a fun one. Uh, first series, I do have to tell a funny story. When I checked the box score of game one, uh, my computer glitched, and it showed the final score as 101 to 59. And I actually sat there for a minute or two thinking about what was I going to say about the Celtics on the next episode when they just lost by 40-plus points. <laughs> but then it obviously updated, and you know, they only lost by, by 12 or 13. But... Um, yeah, Giannis just playing outstanding, almost averaging a triple-double in the first couple games, 26-11-9. He just needs more help. That's that's what it comes down to for me. Is Giannis needs more help. Holiday, Connaughton, Bobby Portis, just not enough. I think they'll get it. I mean, I think the, I think the Bucks did what they needed to do. They obviously stole one away. Um, you know, I, I definitely think we haven't seen the last of the Celtics, but I'm going to stick with my prediction. I think the Bucks get to the final, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I think the Bucks get this in six or seven. That's uh, interesting. I actually have the Celtics in six. Um, I think with Middleton being out um, and out for this series, that that hurts them bad. Um, you know, not to mention Jason Tatum's playing really well. Struggled with his shot a little bit in Game One, but still averaging 25 through the first couple games. Um, Jalen Brown. He struggled as well in game one. You know, the whole team really struggled game one, but put up a 30-piece in game two. Uh, Marcus Smart, the DPOY, 
he's back, uh, or should be back, sorry, for game three um, with the thigh injury. And then they got Robert Williams back, who in our first episode when we talked about the playoffs, the thing I mentioned was Robert Williams missing time, and I didn't see the Celtics getting very far without him because he's such a presence down low. Um, he's getting back into the you know thick of things. He's already got five blocks through the first couple games. I think he's going to be a huge addition, uh, especially for them on defense. I say Celtics in six. I, 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 I'm I will say, though, before you go, before you say anything, I, I will say I believe if it goes seven games, I don't think the Celtics will be able to stop Giannis in, the, in game seven. In a one-game shot, I don't think it's possible. I think Giannis is just going to take over, probably go for 30 or 40, um, and then that's just going to be that. For me, it's Holiday. You know, he came up with 25 points, you know, in, in the first game, obviously had 19. I, I think they can get him going, get Matthews going. I, I'm still a big believer in what the Bucks can do. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to see um, what happens. But, yeah, I I, uh, I like the Bucks in six or seven. Okay, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, both, you know, We differ on that one there, but I think we're going to have the same opinion on this next series. Over in the West, Suns versus Mavericks. Suns lead it 2-0. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Suns in five. And I wouldn't be shocked if they actually sweep this one. Yeah, I, I mean, the Suns were my pick to go to the finals already. They're locked in. Booker seems like he's back. For me, it's the same thing that everyone's been echoing since the beginning of the series, which is Luka Donage is a, is a force. He is a beast. He is whatever positive word you want to say, but he doesn't have any help. And None. None and, whatsoever. And one article I read off ESPN, which – you know, CP3 and Booker do what they say. Hey, Luka can score all the points he wants, but he still has to defend. So if you're not giving him any help on the defensive end, let alone the offensive end, that I don't see them stopping him. I don't. No, no. It Luka's going to get his in this series. I mean, he's already got his uh, <laughs> averaging 40 in the first two games, 42% from three. But yeah, when, when your next highest guy in the series is Maxi Kleber and Reggie Bullock, you're not going to win a series against guys like Booker, CP3, and Aiton. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to this. Like I said, Luka's going to get his. CP3's at the point where he's just refusing to lose. Um, he proved that against New Orleans in the closeout game. 14 for 14 from the field. I mean, that's just unbelievable. You know, at he's locked 28, in. 28 he and 8 last night. Yeah, he's locked in, in and I think, I think it's going to be – it's going to be a long road for the Mavs if they uh, if they want to win this. It's going to be it's going to be I a mean, tough. I mean, when you battle. look at the box score from last night, I mean, every single starter the Suns had was in double digits. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be a tough one for them. It's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, but like I said, that one that one's pretty much not much to it. Um, so well, let me ask on. you a question on that. Sure. Real no, quick. yeah, go ahead. Watching how the Suns are playing, are you convinced they're coming out of the West? Do you see anyone else the way with the way they're playing coming out of the West other than the Suns? Um, I do. Um, I mean, realistically, it's if the Mavs don't beat them, it's either going to be the Warriors or the Grizzlies. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to touch on that game next, but 
yeah, I think I think the Warriors could take him out. Um, but I think I don't think the the Grizzlies would have enough if they got there. Um, but I think the Warriors could beat the Suns. Yeah, um, they've proven that they can beat them in the past. Um, but it's right now the Suns are probably my pick to come out of the West. But let's uh, let's move on though to that Warriors Grizzlies series and see uh, what uh, what do you what do you think with that one? It's tied one one right now. I got personally Warriors in six. I don't think I don't think the Grizzlies are going to have enough to beat them. Ja had an amazing amazing first uh, get, excuse me game two, forty seven points just absolutely put the team on his back. Um, he's just future superstar in this league. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said. Even if the Grizzlies find a way to get past the Warriors, they just don't have enough. And I think that's no. showing in this series. They don't have enough to counter Clay, to counter Steph, to counter Poole. I mean, even when Draymond's not being dumb and getting ejected. Um, well, just, honestly, I don't. I don't think he deserved to be ejected for that play, anyways. But I don't. I don't. Neither here I don't nor disagree there. Agree with you. But I, I just don't think love John Morant think he is, in my opinion, a future Kobe Bryant-esque type player. But at the end of the day, they don't have enough. It's going to be the Warriors in six. Yep, that's exactly yep, that's exactly what I think too. Um, yeah, Curry's going to be Curry in this series. And believe it or not, Clay's actually struggling uh, pretty pretty big in this series. Only 23% from three, five for 22. Um, Andrew Wiggins is playing well for him, so that's going to make it up. Uh, Gary Payton's going to be out now with that fractured elbow from the uh, after the flagrant two from Dylan Brooks, but uh, so that should put Jordan Poole in the um, in the starting lineup and giving him starter minutes. He's already really playing starter minutes. Twenty five, exactly. seven and five in this series. I, Jordan Poole's a he's a future star as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. Ja, I don't think they're getting any help from Ja. Somebody's going to have to step up. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have to play better. Um, that's that's pretty much all it comes down to. And the other thing, too, is Desmond Bain. Where did he go? He just disappeared this series. He, I, mean, he, I don't know. I he mean, was having an not... unbelievable year. I was having a lot of fun watching him. And he's only got 14 points in the first two games. Uh, one thing I found yeah. really interesting, he only took 17 shots in the first two games. He averaged 14 shots a game. In the regular season. Yeah, but the Grizzlies didn't play the Warriors last series. And, you know, even though the Warriors are known for their offense, a lot of people underestimate their defense. They have zero issues locking down on people. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. What I think it is, is Clay Thompson's a very good defender. As is Desmond 100%. Bain. I really think they're just locking each other up and taking each other out of the, out of the equation. You know, Clay's still going to hit a three or two here and there. Um, but if Clay can take Desmond Bain out of the game, Bain takes Clay out of the game. It makes it a little more possible for the Grizzlies to to win it. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to it, they're just they're going to need help. Um, from Ja or with Ja, he's uh, he can't do it all himself. He can't average forty five for the series. He probably could, but you're not going to win that way. So, but yeah, I agree. Warriors in six. So. Heat Celtics, or I'm sorry, you have Heat Bucks. I have Heat Celtics, and we both agree Suns and Warriors in five or six. So 
We do. I'm should be interesting. With my original. I'm sticking with my original prediction. Yeah, it should be. Uh, should be interesting. But let's get to the bread and butter of the episode. I know yes. you. Uh, I know you've been waiting. <laughs> I know you've been waiting for us to talk some fantasy football. It's a little Stopping early. It's a little Stopping early. I agree with that. Um, but we do want to kind of, you know, give you a little heads up and a little idea of what to expect this year. Um, and this, you know, is very early on. Things can change. Um, things are probably going to change. Um, and these rankings might be different in three, four months from now. Um, but I do want to give out a quick stat here before we get started. Um, out of last year's rookies, the we only had one wide receiver taken, or excuse me, one wide receiver that finished in the top five um, or in the top ten among wide receivers, and that was Jamar Chase. I don't think that's any surprise there. Um, but a close second, though, close second, though, is actually Jalen Waddle. Um, he finished thirteenth among all receivers at two hundred with two hundred forty-five fantasy points. Uh, very good, very good season. Um, and then for running backs, obviously Najee Harris finished third among all backs. And then the, actually the next best rookie running back was Williams, um, Jamal Williams. Or, I'm sorry, I just uh, want to Javante Williams. I'm sorry, I take that I just back. Wanna, goes. And I he just want to take my credit. So. I just want to take my credit right now, real quick, because I was a Najee Harris truther. Yep, you called Najee Harris from the get go. Uh, from the get go. I knew he was going to be special, and uh, he all he did was just uh, prove me right. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, so it's uh, I, I I was impressed with that. I did not think that Najee Harris was going to have the year he had. Um, I did have him on my fantasy team last year, so I was very happy about that. Um, You're welcome. But thank you. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, basically what I want to get at though before we start this is it's more likely that a fantasy or excuse me a rookie wide receiver finishes, you know, with more points than a fantasy rookie running back does. Um, rookie running backs, unless taken really early in the first round, which there was none this year, generally don't finish very high. So you'll see a lot of running back, or excuse me, a lot of receivers um, on this list. Um, we do have a couple running backs on there, um, but let's go ahead and get it kicked off. Uh, now, before we get started, I do want to be clear in this for all of you fantasy football nuts. Our rankings are based off redraft. This is not Dynasty. This yes. is not Keeper League. This is based strictly off a redraft. Strictly on redraft, yep. Um, and we tried to basically base this off of who we felt was going to have the best fantasy season as a rookie. Um, we did factor in um, you know, upside a little bit in there, uh, potential, certain guys, um, you know, certain players around better offenses, they might have potential to have a bigger year because of the team and offense that they're on. Um, so that's kind of how we came up with this top 10. Um, it was actually, number one was actually really easy. John, go ahead and tell them who we got finishing number one because we had no disagreement here. No disagreement. Number one is Drake London. Um, you know, there's not much more to say than target share. Um, for me, Falcons have no one else other than Kyle Pitts. Um, there doesn't look like they're signing anyone as of right now to bring in. So for me, it's Drake London, easy number one, because he's just going to have the opportunity. Yeah. Um, Auden Tate and Olsmitty Zacchaeus, I think is how you pronounce his name. Those are the two guys that he has playing 
next to him on the depth chart. Uh, Marcus Mariota is going to be throwing him the ball. They don't like, like you said, other than Pitts, they have no receivers to take that target share from him. So, I mean, I got him finishing right around a thousand yards this year. Um, I think he catches 80, 90 balls and I think he has a really good fantasy season. Yeah, I really don't think there's much else to touch on that. Um, I don't think a lot of people disagree with us. It's, you know, the best ability is availability, and he's not only going to be available, but there's going to be no one else really available with his kind of talent other than Kyle Pitts. Um, Yeah, you do have Patterson. They did sign him, um, which solidified him in the backfield after they cut Mike Davis. But, you know, after that, I, I don't see him having any real competition at the wide receiver one. Yeah, he's. I, I don't think he has any competition, honestly. Um, I think he has a great year. Um, my prediction where I have him finishing would have put him as a wide receiver two last year. So, yeah, I mean, and that's among all receivers in all of fantasy football, not just among rookies. So I, I, I look for him to be a, a solid wide receiver two in fantasy next year. Um, so with and, that being said, speaking of two, who do we have for uh, number two, Nick? Speaking of two, yep, uh, Traylon Burks. Um, and again, speaking of wide receiver two, I think this is another guy that realistically could finish as a wide receiver two in fantasy. Um, wide receiver going to the Titans really just has Robert Woods as competition there, um, basically taking over for A.J. Brown. They traded A.J. Brown for a bunch of picks. One of those picks was used on Traylon Burks. Um, so he's literally coming in to be A.J. Brown's replacement. Um, talent wise, whether or not he's going to be AJ Brown, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I see him, you know, just like Drake London finishing around a thousand yards, probably catching 75, 80 catches. Um, and yeah, I look for him to be a wide receiver too. Ryan Tannehill is a great quarterback. Um, and, and that's the interesting there's no issue there. Me. I, I'm, I'm very interested because I know we have London one Burks too, but I won't be surprised if Traylon Burks finishes ahead of Drake London, simply because we don't know the health status right now of Robert Woods. So we talk about opportunity with Drake London. He still has Kyle Pitts and Patterson. There's literally no one else. And I understand the Titans are low throwing volume because they have the Yeti. Shout out Derrick Henry. But Traylon Burks is it um, right now. You know, we're basing it off right now. We don't know where the status of Robert Woods' health. He could miss a couple games, giving – trail on that extra oomph in the beginning of the season. Yeah, and honestly, even if he misses a couple games, I, I still feel like Traylon Burks is going to have a, a good year, um, whether Woods plays all, all the games or misses a few. Um, but yeah, I think he definitely has potential to pass Drake London. And a big reason is just because of the offense he plays in. 100%. You know, Titans offense is better than the Falcons offense. So yeah, I, I, I do like Drake London as the best rookie wide receiver or rookie you know, in general this year in fantasy, but I definitely like him to be number one and Traylon Burks. He's a close second. Um, definitely has potential to pass him at number one. For me, it's also what the Titans gave up. You don't trade up like that. No. To take a guy, you don't trade your number one receiver away to draft this guy. If you don't plan on putting a game plan around him, period. Well, that's true. But I think a lot of that had to do with, had to do with the money. You know, AJ Brown wanted to get paid. Titans didn't want to pay him. And realistically, that's what it came down to. They just needed to replace him because they're getting rid of him. Um, I don't think their plan all along was to say, hey, we love Traylon Burks. Let's trade AJ Brown to get him. Um, It was all about the money. But now that you're in this situation, 
yes, you're going to have to give him the ball and you're going to have to give him an opportunity to make plays for you. 100%. So I guess that takes us to number three. Yes, sir. One of, uh, one of your favorite players in the draft. Yes. Bryce Hall to the Jets at number three. Yes. he. Uh, How do you feel about him, Nick? I, I like him a lot. Um, you know, Bryce Hall is going to have a chance to go in and, and take over the starting job for Michael Carter. Uh, Michael Carter was a fourth-round pick last year. Jets spent a second-round pick, early second-round pick on Brees Hall. Um, I have him projected pretty high. Um, I think he'll run for about, give or take, about 800 yards. Um, Jets' offense isn't very high-powered, um, so he's probably not going to score a whole lot of touchdowns. Um, but I'll put it to you this way. If he can score more than a couple touchdowns this season for the Jets, I think he has potential to easily be number one on this list. Um, but it's just going to come down to the, disagree with you. It's going to come down to the simple fact is the Jets offense is terrible and they're not going to score a whole lot of touchdowns. I mean, it all goes into what you believe, like you said, right? Do you think Zach Wilson is going to take that next step? Do you think he's going to take the next step to be that guy? And if the Jets offense starts rolling, then obviously – Paul's going to roll with him. Um, so I think a lot of it has to come down to is Wilson going to help the Jets move the ball so we can get those goal line, goal line opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, he, he's got a little bit of competition there, but I think because of the draft capital they spent on him, there's potential that he could be the starter right from the get go, you know? And again, all of this is, it's just based on what we think as of right now. They haven't gone to training camp yet. Nobody's taken any practice snaps um, with the offense. So for all we know, Brees Hall could end up being the third string running back. He could be the first string running That's back true. week one. We don't know. You know, there's We listen to the experts talk about these guys just like anybody else and you know draw our own conclusions from there. Um, I watched a little bit of tape on a few guys, but other than that, you know, it, it's really a guessing game, but yeah, I think, I think Brees Hall does has, has the potential to be the number one guy over Michael Carter. And if he is, I think it could be a good year for him. Can't disagree with you on that. I think that brings us to number four. This one, this one was interesting. So there was a lot of argument that could be made, but um, I had, Chris Olave at four to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and I, I did have a little pushback on this one from you or to you. It, it, I I rather would have had a different, you know, a different guy here. Um, but I think this is a good spot for Olave. Michael Thomas is coming back. Saints still like to throw the ball. Their offense really hasn't changed at all um, in the last couple of years. Jameis loves to throw that thing. Um, they do still have Marquez Callaway there. Um, so, you know, Michael Thomas is going to get a lot of looks. Um, he's going to get a lot of double coverage, which should open it up for Alave and Callaway. Um, for me, it's also if Michael Thomas can stay healthy. Um, and then, you know, we talk about looking at the team overall. Um, I mean, you have the ultimate <laughs> you have the ultimate thrower in Jameis Winston. He loves to throw that ball. Absolutely. Whether the whether the Saints let him cook or not, that's still yet to be seen. But you know, I I love Chris Olave for this spot simply because he's going to a team that has a quarterback that loves to throw the ball. Um, yeah. You know, and we'll we'll see how it is. Um, I think Michael Thomas. I I want him so bad to be the Michael Thomas of old. 
But where the Saints drafted him tell me they are not completely confident in what Michael Thomas is going to bring back. So I, definitely I think, think they were more or less – with this pick, I think they were more or less planning for the future without Michael Thomas. I think Chris Olave is in the Saints' eyes. I think he is their future replacement um, for Michael Thomas. And, you know, I, I think they like Marquez Calloway. He's still young. Um, he's going to be with them for a while. So Alave and Marquez Calloway are probably going to be the two guys in New Orleans for a while. Um, assuming that Michael Thomas doesn't stay with them for, you know, for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I like Alave. He has potential to be the number one guy. And even if he just plays the slot for the Saints, I still like that. I still think he's going to have a great year. Um, Saints are a high-powered offense. And if they can get things clicking, I mean, Jameis was having a pretty good year up until he got hurt last year. You know, they were throwing the ball. They were putting up fantasy points. Um, you know, the injury derailed that a little bit, but, you know, they still had some fantasy-relevant guys. Um, and speaking of fantasy-relevant, yeah. brings me to number five. Um, this is the guy that I felt like should have been our number four. Um, Christian Watson, wide receiver for the Packers. I like the situation he's going into. Packers know you do. always put up fantasy points. Aaron Rodgers loves to throw the ball, and it just always seems like Aaron Rodgers is throwing three touchdowns a game. Um, every time you turn around, he's putting up fantasy points, which means his receivers are putting up fantasy points. You know, Aaron Jones is going to get his. We know that. He's probably going to get relied on a bit more heavy um, with Devontae Adams leaving. But the Packers' top two right now are Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins. Christian Watson, if if you don't believe that he can contend for that number one spot, I, you're crazy. Um, I think so he definitely has a that. potential. And I'll go on record and say I gave you a little bit of pushback on this, which is why the rankings went Alave Watson. But for me, it's it has nothing to do with his skill set. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with where he landed. It has nothing to do with the other options. Although I do think Lazard has earned that trust with Aaron Rodgers. For me, I it's agree. I believe Lazard will be the number name, one. Yes, it's big name quarterbacks don't trust rookies. I'm not saying that that trust can't be developed, but for me, I think it's going to take three, four, five games, and I think that three, four, five games is going to make the difference. Whereas. Chris Olave won't be coming in and asked to be the guy, which will take a little bit of pressure off of him. You know, you're basically asking Watson to be the guy, and you're asking someone when, like, let's just call it like it is, a quarterback diva and Aaron Rodgers to trust a rookie off the bat, and I think there's going to be uh, some growing pains there. I I agree, Um, but I, I will say I believe that Christian Watson will come in as the number two over Sammy Watkins. Um, I do agree. Alan Lazard has earned that right. He's going to be Aaron Rodgers' favorite target in the passing game. But I think Christian Watson, and I agree with you, I think it'll take three, four, maybe five games. But Christian Watson, in my opinion, will still be the number two for those five games. I believe after that, he will take over as number one. And if that happens, then I think he would pass Chris Olave on this list. But with the way it stands right now, as is, I like where we have Chris Olave, um, him and Watson, 4-5. And let's also point out that uh, the Green Bay Packers might be running a different offense. Their offensive coordinator is not there anymore. He left to become the head coach of the Denver Broncos to let Russ cook. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how that offense goes uh, moves forward because it's not the same offense that uh, Packer fans have come to know. Yeah, but let's be – come on, though. Let's be honest. 
the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator is probably the most useless job in the on the planet. It's hey, like look, being the Bucks. Can, it's like being the Bucks offensive coordinator. Do you hey, really you think the Bucks offensive that? coordinator is calling those plays? Hey, look, you can say that all you want, but I'm going to use one example that'll prove you that coaches do coach and players got to listen because I remember a couple years ago when a uh, shout out to my Buccaneers getting their second Super Bowl trophy. And they got it because the Packers, instead of putting the ball in their MVP's hands and Aaron Rodgers, decided to kick the field goal and go with the onside kick. So all I'm saying is it's not always, oh, they've got Aaron Rodgers, just let him do his thing. Because uh, coaches have shown that just because they have big names, they're not afraid to make other decisions. I, I agree with that. That That is a situational play, though. You know, end of game situation, trying to maximize your points. I'm talking about throughout the regular season, the offense that the Packers are going to run is probably going to be 90% based on what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. And the offensive coordinator is going to have to game plan around what Rodgers wants to do. It it had to have been the same way with the Colts and Peyton Manning. You know what I mean? Like 100%. Who's going to come in and tell Peyton Manning how to run his offense? No, Peyton Manning tells you how to run that offense. (laughs) You're you're not wrong. (laughs) Um, I do believe that brings us, in in my opinion, most exciting pick of the draft as far as the rookies. Number six, Sky Moore to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and this is the guy that I was alluding to earlier um, when I said, you know, certain guys are going to certain teams and certain high-powered offenses that have the potential to be even better. Um, Sky Moore was a tough one for us to list because he could be the best fantasy rookie in football by the end of the season, he could be not even in the top 50, you know, it, it, it could be anywhere in between. Um, but I really like the situation for him. They're missing Tyree kill, but they still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Clyde. They're still running essentially the same offense. They still have some speedy receivers. They still have Patty Mahomes. I, I like Sky more. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, I got him predicted for about fifty to? catches. So, yeah. For me, what it comes down to is the fact that you know we talk about landing spots. For me, it's not just the landing spots; it's the organization as a whole. And when an organization is led by an offensive genius, in my opinion, Andy Reid, they're going to figure out a way to manufacture touches for him. Um, you know, they basically drafted him as a, a Hill clone as far as his speed, his quickness, his toughness, and to be able to run the slot, for me, Sky Moore could not have ended up in a better place. No, I, I agree. I agree. I and, and honestly, he's about the same height as Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill was only 5'9", 5'10". Uh, I think Sky Moore is 5'10". So essentially, yeah, essentially a Tyreek Hill clone. Um, no way is this kid going to come in and be faster than Tyreek Hill. But no. <laughs> the offense... That's where the offensive coordinator and Patrick Mahomes would have to kind of work on figuring out, you know, what kind of plays can we run to get this guy the ball? How can we maximize his skill set? And yeah, I think if he becomes a favorite of Pat Mahomes, it's gonna it's gonna be a good season. He very well cool. He very well could because let's point out the simple fact that. MBS and Juju throughout their entire careers, while they have been a known commodity, 
they have not, other than Juju that one year, they neither one of them have proved that they are ready to accept the role as being that guy. So, you know, you 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 have a crowded a crowded wide receiver room, and then the Chiefs also bring in Sky Moore. To me, that suggests that the Chiefs aren't, you know, confident in MVS or Juju being that guy. Well, and you also forget, too, that they have a guy that's been with them for a while, too, in addition to them, and uh, Miko Hardman. He's still there, and, you know, he this guy didn't play a whole lot last year. You know, who knows how much he'll play again, but they still have Josh Gordon on the roster. You know, so that's that's five receivers. It is a crowded receiving room, and again, that's why I said this was a tough one for us to to rank. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We have him one spot above the next guy we're going to talk about because of the team that he's on and because of the potential that he has in that offense. Um, and that next guy, number seven, being Garrett Wilson from the Jets, wide receiver on the Jets. It, it's a tough position to play. <laughs> You know, the Jets don't put up a lot of points. Um, Like you said earlier, do you believe Zach Wilson's going to take that next step? If he does, Garrett Wilson's got a lot of potential. If he doesn't, well, it's the same old, same old Jets offense. But I believe Garrett Wilson's going to finish relatively high. Um, Again, the touchdowns are probably going to hinder him a little bit compared to other rookies just because his offense doesn't score much. Um, But he's got Elijah Moore and uh, Corey Davis – around him. So it's a crowded receiving room on a poor team, um, but they spent a, a high draft pick on him. So I, I think they're going to give him some time to develop. The reason I like Garrett Wilson, you know, and you can say, um, you know, underrated, even though I don't really think he is, or, you know, a, a quote unquote dark horse. But for me, he's got the skill set, the way he runs the routes, um, everything he does, he could actually come in and be the number one on the outside with Elijah Moore and, you know, Davis finishing as the two and three on the team. So um, I'm definitely interested to see what happens, see see the chemistry. But Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, definitely has the skill set and has the potential to be the one on the Jets. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think he's underrated um, at all. Um, I actually... I went back and looked, and we actually took in our NFL mob, in our mock draft, we actually took him with the eighth pick to the Falcons. Um, we had him as our first receiver off the board, and Drake London actually number two to the Jets. So, yeah, I, I and I still believe that Garrett Wilson's the best receiver in this draft. However, there's a reason he's ranked seventh on this list, and that's because he went to the Jets. He's still one of three receivers on that Jets team, which is still unproven. You know, they, they're they not a good team. They had a great draft. I'd say arguably the best draft of anybody. 100%. But the Browns me, also put together an all-star team a few years back, and I don't even think they made the playoffs. So it has to get done on the field. Um, so, I mean, uh, that's remained to be seen. You know, like you said, it all comes down to Zach Wilson, um, if you think he – because here's the thing, and I just saw this. Um, Elijah Moore, even with Zach Wilson showing splashes but not not a great rookie season, still finished as a wide receiver three and a half point PPR per game. And that was with Zach Wilson not taking the next step. So if you believe Wilson's going to take that step, you know, you do have Garrett Wilson arguably finishing as a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. 
Yeah, and I mean that would put him in flex consideration, um, which honestly wouldn't be bad. And let's 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 be honest, Jamison Crowder last year, you know, probably wouldn't be one of your first choices to have as your receiver on your fantasy team, but did not have a bad year. You know, oh. he finished, I believe, as a wide receiver two last year um, in PPR. Um, it he was the Jets' number one guy. So yeah, if Wilson can eventually take over that number one spot the leading receiver on the Jets puts up fantasy points. It's the two and third option at receiver that you're not going to have on your fantasy team. But if Garrett Wilson can be Zach Wilson's favorite target, I think he's going to be on a lot of fantasy rosters this year. I 100% agree. So moving on to the number eight, and this was arguably my favorite player. Yes, one of your favorite players by far in this one. Kenneth Walker running back to the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm just going to say this, because I know you and I have gone back and forth on this. We've had hours and hour-long discussions about this. Yes. To me, it's about what you believe with that running back room. And what I personally believe is Chris Carson has played his last down of football. I don't think he comes back from the neck. The Seahawks have already come out and said they don't know when he will be ready. And for me, Rashad Penny, even when Chris Carson was healthy – was not their workhorse back. And given the fact that we know it's going to be Drew Locke starting, or at least that's what we think, um, I'm not going to be shocked if Kenneth Walker gets that workhorse role very, very early on. Yeah, it it wouldn't shock me. Um, I personally disagree with that. I still think it's going to be Rashad Penny. DJ Dallas is going to get the passing down work. Um, The reality of it is the Seahawks running back just doesn't, doesn't produce fantasy points uh, generally. You know, Chris Carson was having a good year last year. Um, he was kind of an exception to that. Um, but Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, neither one of them have proven that. I think with Russ leaving, we're going to see a different Seahawks team. Um, how different is that going to be? Are they going to turn to a predominantly running team now? If they do, yeah, I can see Kenneth Walker definitely being a lot higher um, among rookies next year. But, you know, it's really all going to depend on what type of offense the Seahawks are going to want to run this year. Um, what what, well, I mean, gonna, what are they going to change the to? argument that the Seahawks have always been a running team. You know, that's why Russ won it out. Um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying with Rashad Penny. And I, I, I guess when it comes down to is the Seahawks kind of are sending mixed messages. You know, they bring Rashad Penny back for a one-year deal saying they want him. But, I mean, this is let's be honest, this is a high investment as far as a draft pick. That they put on Kenneth Walker. It is, but you and bring in Rashad Penny. You bring in Rashad Penny, like you said. They paid him five million this year, and I believe that's the twelfth highest paid running back in the league. So he's in the top half of almost the top ten highest paid running back. That's that's a lot of money to throw at a player just to back up a rookie. Um, so, like I said, as of right now, I don't see the path quite like you do. Um, I see the potential there, but as of right now. I don't see that that path for him. Um, talk to me again. You know, if we do this again and after training camp starts, uh, maybe do another top ten based on you know where people are at after training camp. It might be a different story. But I like Kenneth Walker at eight. I think that's a safe spot for him. Um, yeah, I like I said, I just don't see that. I don't see that path like you do. Um, but the number nine guy that we have now, this is a guy that I was very high on. Um, I think has a lot of potential because of the team that he's on. 
Um, and that is Jalen Tolbert, the Cowboys rookie wide receiver. He has so much potential with the offense that he's going into. He's going to go into the maybe being the third, possibly the fourth option. Um, Michael Gallup last year was the third, fourth option on the Cowboys. Now, in nine games last year, Michael Gallup put up 35 receptions for 445 yards, two touchdowns. Now, if you keep about those same numbers at a 15-game pace, so only missing two games, you know, I really think I really think Jalen Tolbert could potentially make this a big year for him. You know, I have him statted out about 50 receptions, 650 yards, couple touchdowns, um, and that's mainly just based on the numbers that Michael Gallup put up last year in the exact same role. Um, being a better offense, I think he's got higher potential to move up, but you know, move up They're You know, they don't have Amari Cooper anymore. So I just, I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, CD obviously going to be number one. Gallup will move to number two. Um, but I don't and think James was Washington is going to be able to really, really like the potential. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't see the path quite like you do, but. Well, like like I said, you know, with the with the numbers that Gallup put up last year, just basing on those same numbers, Jalen Tolbert has that potential to finish as a low wide receiver to flex wide receiver, um, and that's again just based on the role that he's going into. But that's the thing, though, too. If Gallup is slow to start, you know, I don't think James Washington is going to challenge Jalen Tolbert for that number three spot and if Michael Gallup and and if Michael Gallup is slow to start that makes Jalen Tolbert the number two behind CeeDee Lamb so I personally see Jalen Tolbert like I said as the three four option just like Gallup did last year and I see him putting up about the same numbers which would finish him right around like I said wide receiver two wide receiver three he might be a flex play for most of the year next year and that is going to finally bring us Go ahead, John. Number 10. Who do you got? Yeah, and, and this was... I know we went back and forth a on a few I didn't different understand. people. And no, I definitely think Jamison Williams, wide receiver to the Detroit Lions, deserves to be number 10. What I was so confused about is how he got to Detroit based on what they have and everything like that, based on his ACL tear. I definitely see the potential, but, you know, bringing in DJ Shark after what... You know, Ahmad St. Brown did, you know, la- towards the end of last season. This was an interesting pick. Um, so tell, tell me what you like about Williams. I'm curious. Yeah, I I like this spot for him. Um, I'm going to assume that the knee is good to go. Um, and assuming the knee is good to go, I think Jamison Williams has potential to have a big year. Um, one thing everybody forgets about is, yeah, the Lions have Jared Goff now, but they still throw the ball 500 times in a season. He threw it 497 times last year. Any team that throws the ball 500 times, their receivers have potential to have good fantasy years. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to take over this team. DJ Chark, probably going to be number two. TJ Hawkinson, he's going to get a lot of work too. But Jamison Williams is going to come in as that third option. 
You know St. Brown and Chark are going to get their coverage. You can't leave TJ Hawkinson open. I think there's going to be a lot of one-on-one coverage for Jamison Williams, and I see him exploiting that coverage a lot this year. Um, and, you know, if there's any any type of injury, he's automatically the number two guy. And the number two guy in Detroit, you know, the team might not be great, but the number two player, the number two receiver in Detroit is going to be fantasy relevant. And I, I believe that. But there was a few guys, too, that, you know. I think for me, it's, it's, it's not even the talent of Jamison Williams. It's who's throwing him the ball. I think if they had a better quarterback that wasn't named Jared Goff that could actually throw down the field, which is the main reason the Rams mm-hmm. traded for Matt Stafford over over going to Jared Goff, I think we'd be having a different conversation. And honestly, maybe Jamison Williams ends up in the top six, top seven of our talks. But I think he's so limited by what Jared Goff can do down the field, which is why St. Brown was able to do most of his work in the slot. For me, that's going to be my biggest thing is what can Jared Goff do with him? Yeah, and he's definitely limited to what he can do. Um, but, you know, anybody that throws it 30 times a game, I like the potential for the receivers, you know, even if he gets 100%. five, six targets a game to start. I like that. I think that gives him an opportunity to make some plays and put some fantasy points on the board. Um, and he's definitely got, like I said, potential to move up. Um, but there's a reason we have him at number 10. You know, it's not a good situation as it, as it stands. Um, but there is some potential there based on, like I said, the fact that the Lions throw the ball 500 times a season. You know, that's that's pretty big. Um, but I did want to mention to a couple other guys that we did not have on our top honorable 10. Honorable mentions. Honorable, honorable mentions, mentions, as we like to call them. Uh, a couple guys that we like to touch on. One of them being um, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver for the Washington Commanders. He's got Terry McLaurin in front of him. Curtis Samuel, you never know what you're going to get with him. So Dotson's going to possibly be the number two in Washington. He's got Carson Wentz as his quarterback, so that hinders it a little bit. Um, the offense just isn't great. Um, I think I would probably put him at number 11 if we had another spot here. Um, I would agree with that. He's close, but, you know, just it's a name to keep an eye on. He could be the number two in Washington. If Terry McLaurin gets hurt, you know, again, you never know what you get with Curtis Samuel. Jahan Dotson could possibly be the number one guy in Washington. That's not saying much, but, you know, we'll see what happens there with him. Um, Another guy, too, that I personally really liked um, was Trey McBride, tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, I know he's playing behind Zach Ertz. Personally, I, I know don't this was one of your feel, favorite ones, too. Yes, yes. Personally, I don't feel like Zach Ertz is going to play the entire season. Uh, with that being said, I see Trey McBride having a great year, um, taking and having a, you know, taking that opportunity and having a Zach Ertz type year this year. Um, I have him statted out pretty high. And for a tight end, you know, if you can get a, a, a relevant tight end, you know, that's that's something, you know, and I wanted I want to make sure that people are aware of that. You know, it's it's a position that is very scarce in fantasy football. If you don't have one of the top two or three, you're pretty much just rolling the dice every week. Um, but I think if Trey McBride gets that opportunity and, and Zach Ertz does miss time, he's definitely gonna be a guy that people are gonna want to put in their lineup. Not to mention if Zach Ertz missed his time at the beginning of the year with everything going on with D. Hopkins. I mean, you're not yep, wrong. That's in that. another. Wrong that's an. 
that's another pair of hands that aren't that aren't on the field. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, I think Trey McBride's definitely a guy to keep an eye on for sure. And uh, John, you want to talk about the uh, our honorable mention that we have here at quarterback, the only quarterback yes, that I see even having. Yeah, Mister uh, Mister Baby Hands, Kenny Pickett. Um, I, I was I was very <laughs> shocked by this one. Um, I, I definitely thought I had Kenny Pickett pegged to go to either Seattle or the Panthers. Things didn't fall that way. Um, to me, it's all about what Trubisky does. I, I think it's Mitch Trubisky's job to lose, in my opinion. But given 100%. where the Steelers got him, given the organization that he's going in, um, the head coach, I'm a strong believer in Mike Tomlin and the organization with Art Rooney and everything like that. Um, I'll say this. I think Kenny Pickett, as a rookie, could finish top 15 as a quarterback if he's given all 17 games. But in my opinion, as of right now, it's Miss Trubisky's job to lose. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I have him. I have him projected to play about half of the year. Um, you know, maybe a few games, maybe a little over half. But I, I really think, like, and that's another reason why I wanted to mention him too. You know, he's the only quarterback that I feel like has the potential to win that number one spot. Um, you know, Malik Willis was on a lot of people's lists um, before the draft. He slipped to Tennessee. He's not going to get an opportunity over Ryan Tannehill. Um, hell, he's not even going to get mentored by Ryan Tannehill. Um, Ryan Tannehill said he, that's not his job. So, which for the record, I just want to say, I, I think that's going to be very toxic for Tennessee this year. Um, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to have to check that ego at the door when he walks into training camp and, Otherwise, that 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 locker room is going to get pretty toxic pretty quickly. Um, but well, I mean, yeah, Kenny they don't Pickett, really have a choice. It's a it's a fifty eight million dollar cap hit if they even wanted to do anything with Tannehill this year. He'll sit. Malik Willis will sit for a year, and then we'll have a true quarterback competition next year. And I think it's about seventeen eighteen mil dead cap next season. So uh, definitely something to look at um, as far as dynasty is considered. I'm not touching Malik Willis just because I'm not really sure where that's gonna land in a couple of years. Um, so yeah, uh, I just want to touch on that real quick, but yeah, yeah. And you know, again with Kenny Pickett, if he plays the whole year, I think he's got potential, like you said, to be top 15. Um, but you know, he's worth, he's worth mentioning, like I said, because again, I think he's the only quarterback rookie quarterback this year that has potential to win that number one spot. So, you know, we just want to make sure that we get him out there. Um, but yeah, we talked about a lot of the receivers, mentioned a couple running backs, gave you a quarterback and a tight end. That's our rookie top 10 um, with a couple honorable mentions there. This has been a good one. Um, you know, we love our fantasy football. We're definitely going to be covering a lot more fantasy football throughout the year. Um, definitely going to be something that we spend a lot of time on, especially during the football season. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, next week. We're going to touch on the NBA playoff matchups, give you a little update um, based on our predictions. A couple of them should be done by next Thursday. Um, but then we're going to actually have our second guest of the podcast. Uh, it's going to be Kelvin Drakeford, the head women's basketball coach at Cannon School in Concord, North Carolina, former classmate of John and our John and mine. Um, really looking forward to that one. We're going to talk to him about his team. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. We're going to talk to him about his team, um, his playing time at Catawba, um, in his career and things like that. should be a really exciting one. Make sure you uh, tune in for that one. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. 
Um, thanks again for listening to the Shooting Sports Podcast with Ebony and Ivory. As always, my name's Jonathan. I'm the Ebony. And my name's Nick, and I'm the Ivory.